Today's show is being brought to you by individual contributors through Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to help support the show, and thanks so much. Okay, I've got a question for the education game fans out there. Have you ever heard a child say these words? I hate math, or I don't like math, or I wish math didn't exist. Anything like that. Today we're going to unpack that, and we're going to unpack it through the lens of problem solving because mathematics is really just that. It's, it's a way to solve problems. And so now I want to welcome you to the Education Game Podcast. I am Matt Barnes. Yeah, and some uh, call him uh, the Brown Hornet. The Brown... Scott, you got to say it the right way. Remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> The Brown Hornet. That's close. It's the Brown Hornet. But you keep working on it. We'll get there. All right. Now I'm uh, I'm Doctor Scott. Doctor Scott is known as the White Shadow. <laughs> and yeah, this, we don't know. We don't. Yeah, we don't really know whether this is funny or not. Right? It's funny to us. And this, it's funny and, to us. and since okay. we're the only ones listening, then yeah, that's all that matters. So anyway, this is the spot for parents who are looking for something much better in their child's education and learning. And it's high time for parents to get better at navigating, advocating, and, and negotiating a better learning journey for their child. And that's what we're going to do today. So today we've got a special guest. Once again, it's not just two old guys, one bald and one gray. We've got um, an, a math and problem solving expert that's joining us. Scott, would you mind... Uh, uh, introducing Jen a little bit here while I bring her into the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah. This is uh, Jen Maschek, and uh, she is a math specialist and coach at uh, Houston A Plus Challenge. And so, uh, to get us started today, uh, uh, Jen, um, I think I think our listeners would be interested in hearing uh, some of your story. Uh, specifically how you sort of merge together your expertise in math, but also you're a parent of two mm. kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how do you deal with uh, a lot of the math anxiety? I don't know whether your kids ha- have had that. No, uh, they in haven't. The past. They've never had they it. They haven't. No way. Never. Not with Jen. So it's all biological. That's right. Her kids have never said they came. They came from Jen. There is no math anxiety in those kids. But how 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 do you kind of like when when your kids are having some challenges with math? uh, What are what are some uh, strategies that you you might use that are parent strategies and not necessarily math coach strategies? Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you uh, did you want me to talk a little bit about myself first? Yes. Let, yeah. Let's do that first. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, so yes, I am a mom of two. I def- I have two kids who come up through you know public education. Uh, they are you know thirteen and sixteen now, uh, and they they came. Kinda, I guess they were kind of learning alongside of me. Um, I've been I taught for. Uh, in the classroom, I taught for 10 years, um, and I taught middle school and high school math predominantly, but I was really fortunate enough to um, start off at a K-12 campus, and so when I was first beginning uh, my teaching career, uh, my principal was really powerful, and uh, she, on my off period, required me to go 
often to like work with younger learners um, in a Montessori environment, like K through five, K through six. And so uh, the way that Maria Montessori actually uh, visualized mathematics and encouraged uh, problem solvers and encouraged um, independent learners was really powerful for me um, as an educator. And so Can, I did that for- Let, let me pause yeah. you for a second. I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but I, I, don't know, I don't know if a lot of parents understand what Montessori actually is. Can you give a quick two second overview of that? If you're able or Scott? Uh, yeah, Maria Montessori is a, she's an Italian educator and she had a very specific way uh, of thinking about uh, learning for her students. And it was really powerful and she saw great results. Um, and so a lot of people study her methodologies for, uh, for teaching um, in younger grades. So there's a lot of visuals. She did a lot of work um, like with uh, hands-on and concrete manipulatives, yeah. things that you can really touch and see and yeah. feel. Um, learning, through, learning through discovery, Matt. Right, right. So Mon Montessori was, yeah. a, was a big uh, advocate uh, and, and it really merged right in with the American movement in the early 20th century, the progressive movement led by John Dewey. And yeah. so there was kind of a, there was a mind melt, uh, you know, between Montessori and, and the Deweyans. Got it. All right. We're, we're down way into the weeds, but we're I just want to make sure. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we understand Montessori now, Jen. <laughs> Go back to you. It's a really concrete and visual way of understanding why you compute numbers. Gotcha. It was, it's very powerful for, for learning. Cool. Um, and a lot of the standards, the new Common Core, and and also uh, I'm here in Texas, and so uh, the Tex Texas has their own set of standards, and they've kind of molded the standards around really understanding the math instead of uh, step one, step two, step Got three. it, got it. So, um, so continue your story about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I did that. Um, I taught there and uh, worked with the middle school and high school students for about 10 years. And then I got recruited uh, to work with uh, Houston's independent school district. They were they had like a new coaching initiative and they were looking for experienced teachers. Um, and that's actually uh, where I started coaching hmm. and working with teachers. So professional development of teachers. Uh, so the next generation leading the newest generation into education. Uh, coaching teachers inside their classrooms. So providing um, embedded professional development inside their classrooms. So like if you were to go and learn something new, you may or may not apply it, you know, as quickly as if you had a coach, somebody mm -hmm. to come in and work with you yeah. inside of your classroom. And so like we would provide, we provide professional development and then we actually go in and coach teachers inside their classrooms and work with their their particular students. Nice. So it's been a, a really powerful so, model. So this is what we really know, Jen. What what, what kind of mom of math are you? Hmm. So for those two well, kids, <laughs> the mom um, of actually, math. I've actually, I, I turned most of it, I feel like I turned most of it into games uh, to help my kids understand math. But they didn't really know they were doing math while they were doing it because they know their mom's a math teacher. And I didn't want them to think that I was judging them in their math abilities. And so mm. we just played a bunch of games. Uh, like it's, it's th things that like a lot of kids don't play anymore. Uh, like, like spades. What? Yeah, like spades. what? Yeah. Like uh, spades, hearts. So what? So, what, 
what what are cards those are all card games so so from a math perspective what uh, does playing cards do for kids mathematical and problem solving abilities okay what well, do you know how to play spades Have i've never played? played spades no i've never I played, played a little cards i played cards well <laughs> there's a there's a trump card like the spades are a trump and so like while you're playing it would it's very beneficial if you can count how many spades have already been played. So you know how many trump cards there are left. Got it. Um, And it's really powerful if you can remember which spades have been played. So, you know, if you have the highest trump left, Uh, I see. (laughs) see. you have the ace of spades, then you know that you're going to win that particular, that particular hand of cards. Got it. And so, um, but it's also really powerful for things later, like probability, when they start, like, when you start trying to understand uh, how likely is something. A lot of teachers in classrooms, they use cards and dice um, in order to explain probabilities. But if you've never played cards, then that would be a really difficult context for you to understand. So what I'm hearing, Jen, is that in order to, to raise really good math students you need to teach them how to gamble that's what i'm hearing <laughs> right so vegas they must be some really good math kids in las vegas because gambling mecca there is, the not, you know we're not allowed to teach that in school but when at, i do it with adults at home just, just so long as there's no money involved <laughs> that's right at home right. you can no do money, it no involved. money I think the school districts. Uh, I think the school district would frown on you teaching students how to uh, throw bones uh, or roll dice. Yeah. yeah. Um, in craps, school. craps tables. Oh my goodness! All that right. would be fun though. And however, I will tell you that that is the fastest way to engage adult learners in probability is to teach them how to gamble. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So when we do it in professional development, I'm like, look, guys, if you don't know how to play cards, you got to learn how to play cards. Okay. I'm going to make my first note is that I'm going to need to teach my children how to play uh, craps <laughs> and how to shoot dice. Okay. Let's continue on. Scott, you had some questions for, for Jen, I think. Or were Jen, were you done with your in- kind of intro of your of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It, I think the last thing was that I've been coaching now for, you know, 11. This is my 12th year. So... Nice. Uh, lots of different personalities, lots of working with parents and teachers on um, how to not have kids say, I really don't like math. I can't do math. Uh, yes. Yeah. The goal is really to have uh, no people at con- cocktail parties say, uh, I'm not good at math. Nice. That's really nice. cool. All right, Scott. So, um, Jen, Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, this this group. Uh, they're, they're called the National Council for the Teachers of Mathematics, and uh, they they put out some process standards a while back that I think uh, if you can uh, help parents make sense of of these uh, and maybe talk at a parent level about what it means and maybe uh, what parents could do to support these types of process skills uh, in their in their kids, I think that that would be very helpful. You, you ready to play the game a little bit? All right, so yeah. I'm just going to throw one out at you. Okay. And you just, okay. you just like, think 
like you're talking to a group of parents, sort of defining it, deciphering it, and then giving I'll them some, give them some, uh, you know, pointers, right? So here's the first one, problem solving. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I think, I think what they mean by, uh, and they have a very specific list. So the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics is um, math, like math teachers all over the country who have come together, who have been practicing, working with students um, in their classrooms over, you know, over the last hundred years. And they, they've come up with some things that not only would they like for you to see, they want you to, they definitely want you to understand the math. And when I say math, I mean the algebra, the geometry, the numbers. But there's a, a process in which all of that is learned in which they would really like also for students to have and being a problem solver is one of them. And what that means is they want to encourage habits of persistence. They want to encourage habits of curiosity, right? One question leads you to another, leads you to another. And that curiosity is how people become lifelong lovers of learning. That curiosity, I want to know how to do this. I want to know how to explain this better. Um, and then also they, they, uh, they specifically talk about confidence in unfamiliar situations. So mm -hmm. if I gave you a problem, not just a math problem, but any problem, and you wanted to solve it, are you confident that you know something, right? And I, I, I definitely have something to offer. I don't even know what it is yet, but I definitely have something. And they really want, you know, children to have that as well. And so, you know, there are, there's some really specific things that uh, I, when I, when I tutor young learners, uh, and by young, I mean K-12, when I tutor young learners, like I always invite parents to come in to the sessions with me. And what I ask them to listen for are things um, like the language that I'm using when students, uh, when students like it's in order to encourage them to be problem solvers. So persistent mm -hmm. and curious mm -hmm. over time. Uh, and I could even send it to you. They have, uh, there's some really specific phrases um, that I've acquired over time that parents can use at home when students are doing any task. Can right? you give and, us yeah, like um, what, like yeah. give us a couple. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so for example, like when, when I'm working with a student and they are struggling, like struggling, but they are really trying hard. So there's a, you know, when are you, like, there's significant effort. You can see it. The kids are really thinking. And so it's okay. So uh, one of the things that we try and encourage with parents is, well, you don't know it. You're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. So yet's a really big word um, that I want to encourage parents to have in their vocabulary. You're going to get there. You're just not there yet. So like the, in the problem, like they said, encouraging persistence. Yeah. And that's actually in the Common Core State Standards, right, is uh, they want to encourage persistence and resilience. Uh, and that's kind of where it came from, nice. right, is I'm there, but I'm not there yet, right? Or like when you think you can't do this, remind your students you just can't do it yet, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so and Matt, I Matt, Matt and I uh, think that the the grade F should be changed yeah. to NY. Not yet. Not yet. yet. <laughs> yep. Not yet. What do you think about I think that? Really I, I, well, I just, I think that it's in process. 
right? Like you, you don't yes. have it, but you're going to have it. You just don't have yes. it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, also some things like, um, especially at the, like the middle of a tutoring session or a middle of a session with a student, it would be like, look how much progress you've made. Mm. So like noticing little things in student work are huge because they don't see it themselves. So like at the very beginning of today, you couldn't do like for a very young learner at the very beginning of the day, you couldn't recognize that that was a double, but look now you're all of the times that I'm asking you if it's a double or not. Now you recognize that it's a double. So tomorrow we'll go more, we'll do more. Right. Recognizing the small steps, right? Yes. Recognizing the small steps. Yeah. And I I think that's really huge for parents too. Um, Like you can do it. Like, don't stop here. There's something that, you know, or I really admire your persistence, right? This is is really good that I can keep doing. Yeah. And I'll send you um, actually mindsetworks.com. They have a bunch of free resources and they have, they have a sheet. Like if your student's struggling with strong efforts, say this, if you are, they need help with the strategies to say this. Awesome. What is it? Uh, Mindsetworks.com. Mindsetworks.com. Got mm-hmm. it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, you should awesome. definitely put a link in the, you should put a link in the resources and I'll send you the PDF if you want. Please, please. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Okay, yeah. here, here's, here's a couple then, more. But I want to say this yeah, one last thing too. There's also, there are also times when, the students succeed with very little effort. Mm. <laughs> so like often we forget about the the young learners who like know everything. <laughs> I'm like, well, like when when students succeed really easily without effort, I'm like, well, it's great that you have that down. Uh, I need to find something more challenging for you. Nice. This is this is too easy. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't know everything if you never make a mistake or if you never fail then you're not really learning anything. That's something you already knew. So let me find something a little more challenging for you. So just as an aside, Scott, we're going to have to do a show on grades because what Jen just talked through was uh, the negatives on both sides of grades, like the kids who get an A without working hard. uh, There's a problem Mm -hmm. there, just like the kid who works really, really hard and gets a D or an F, right? Both of those there's an adjustment that that doesn't correspond to grades. So we'll, we'll take that another time, but uh, Scott, back to you. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to throw out like uh, another two uh, just to kind of see what you have to say. Uh, So they talk about a process skill uh, known as reasoning and proof. Uh, And then they also talk about a process skill uh, around communications Okay. So, so makes sense for parents when they talk about reasoning and proof and communications from a from a math perspective. What are they What are they talking about? Well, I think the so a high school teacher would tell you that proofs are in geometry uh, and in algebra, and they're you know they're they're specific to mathematics, and what they're doing is you know, they're using a, a logical reasoning to show you that a generalization always works. And it always works because if I can replace the numbers with letters, then then that would be 
uh, that would be proof that it would always work. I feel like for parents um, that reasoning and proof is by what NCTM calls exploring phenomena um, and justifying your results. So meaning like um, kind of like the scientific method, like you have a, a very specific conjecture and then you test it and then it fails or it succeeds and then you prove your hypothesis or you don't, right? Um, but, for, but for learners, I feel like math for reasoning and especially for reasoning does the math make sense like math is supposed to make sense this is a human construct that we've developed in order to make sense of things so if the math doesn't make sense right that's the reasoning piece right this is supposed to make sense it's supposed i'm supposed to be able to reason why you know this yeah, works. usually, usually um, and, in movies and when the math doesn't make sense things start blowing up yeah yeah, right. <laughs> or falling bad down. Things, that, bad things buildings fall down. Right. Uh, and then, like the but the proof is, in, especially with math learners, is how do you know you're right? Because and for me, like the most powerful thing that I say to parents and kids is, you know, life doesn't have an answer key. That answer key that's in the back of your book or it's on the internet, like they, those math answers were generated by a human. How did they know they were right? Hmm. And so, you know, some of the things they want to encourage, you know, are, you know, multiple ways to get the same answers so that you can verify your results. So I feel like, you know, for parents and kids learning, you know, it's really about working through situations, reasoning, like having a, you know, a logical sense of if this, then that, and then being able to justify that, you know, that you're right. So are there other questions, Jen, like you said before, um, that can that a parent can be armed with so that um, they can begin to, you know, to, to to confirm that their children actually understand math and aren't just, you know, cranking the wheel to to, to complete the problem. <laughs> sure. Well, I think how do you know you're right is a really good one. Good. <laughs> like, good. how do you know? Well, just how do you know? And so this is really specific, though, not 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 being able for so this is a little different uh, in a parent may not know but when your student you don't want them to explain how they did it that mm. that's just like that's just regurgitating like the steps that i took what you're really listening for is how do you know that you're right yeah so like what i'm listening for when i hear my daughter or my son explain it to me like how do you know you're right is they they can tell me in more than one way okay so or they can break it down into smaller terms and like well for example um 20 times 19 right uh how do you know you're right well 20 times 20 is 400 and my answer is less than 400 so i'm right mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. like that not not i multiplied the 20 times the 10 not not that that's not what i'm looking for interesting like interesting. i need to know how to do the procedure tell me how you know you're right oh and by the way, 15 times 15 is 225, and it's got to be in between those two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I got a, I got a pretty good idea that I'm right. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So here's the uh, here's the last three: communications, okay. connections, and representations. Okay. What type? What, like, what type of coaching could you give parents around those three? Kind of big terms. 
So the the communication the communication piece of NCTM right is listening to others' explanations, right, and then developing your own understandings. So one of the things that I try and get teachers to do, which and I think parents can do this too, and I think it's really applicable for parents, especially if they didn't learn math in the ways that their students are coming home math, um, is try and connect how your learning of mathematics is connected to what your students are learning in mathematics. <laughs> so uh, the distributive property is a huge mathematical uh, property and Common Core and Texas and some of the other states have broken it down. Um, and uh, in layman's terms, I think most parents would probably call it a box method, right? And it's where they break down, you know, independent pieces of numbers. Uh, and I can send you a visual like to show you what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but more specifically, it's like multiplying 45 times eight, right? So nowadays they're teaching students that it's not 45 times eight, step one, step two, step three. It's let's, let's see how this really makes sense. So like 40 times eight mm. and then five times eight, and then we add them together. I see. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so that's very different than probably the way the three of us learned, right? Where we lined up the numbers and multiplied eight times five, put the zero down and carried the four. Mm -hmm. That's very different, but they're both the same thing. <laughs> they're both connected. And so if you wanted to encourage higher order thinking, like if you can figure out how your child's learning is connected to how you learned it and they can do it the other way around, then that would be a really powerful connection. So, yeah. So like we're trying to encourage, you know, that, that connection, right. That it's not, or that communication, right. We want is, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about communication, but they like how, how we can connect those different ideas, which will also encourage critical thinking. Like one of the right. highest ways of, like having students, like when teachers say that my principal wants me to have higher order thinking in my class, like, well, put student work under the document camera and have other students try and explain what other students did. It's the same thing with parents, right? So once you can explain what your kid's doing and how it's connected to what you're doing, then, right, then you guys have a, a common ground, like you have a, a common level of or a common language where you can talk to each other. That's really good, Jen. I, I, you know, parents having the tools that you're describing that you're coaching teachers to develop. I mean, I can mm -hmm. imagine the kid who says, you know, I can't do this. The earlier conversation right. you said about you're just not there yet, right? Look at how far you've come so far, right? Those are that's great advice. And then now the question of how do you know you're right? And even putting up uh, the way that mom might solve a math problem and asking the child to 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 explain how um, how she, you know she or you know she got that problem correct or right that's kind of what you're getting at here it's a, it's a question and yeah. answering it's an understanding mm -hmm. rather than just knowing how to get the right answer for sure yeah interesting cool so yeah. just just real quickly um, sure. Help help parents understand the term connection and representation. How are those different when you start talking about math and general pro problem solving? Okay, okay. 
Um, okay, so for connection, I think the most important thing for uh, for parents and for you know new teachers to know is that math is not separate strands of you know an independent idea. <laughs> math is connected K K sixteen. All of it, all of it goes together. You don't take algebra, learn algebra, forget it, and then take geometry, right? They're integrated together. You don't. Uh, learn how to tell time in the second grade and then forget how to tell time, right? And, you know, time is actually really powerful for learning fractions. Like there's, it's all connected. And that's what they mean. But when they say connection is to see math as not a separated activity, right? Mm -hmm. And there's math in social studies. There's math in literacy. There's math in uh, economics. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just in, you know, Math not just class. in between disciplines, but within disciplines everywhere. Right. I, I talk to teachers all the time and parents. Math is about context and experiences. The more context you put in front of students, the better they get at it and the better they get at seeing those connections within the discipline and outside of the discipline. So mm. context is key. All the context. So, so would, it, would, would, as a mathematician, would you agree with that practice makes perfect? That, that the way that you become uh, a more perfect mathematics user is <laughs> practice, practice, practice? It's a good question. Um, I think I would say the more experiences you have, the more efficient you become. So... If you were to talk to your kids about, like, when we talked about 45 times 8, right? Sometimes it's more efficient for me to break a number into two pieces and multiply it. And sometimes it's more efficient for me to put it in my calculator. Uh, and wow. sometimes... Wow, whoa, whoa, Yeah. Oh, don't go there. Don't get that in the weeds with the calculator conversation. Calculator. Sometimes... No, Jennifer. Calculators <laughs> are cheating. Yeah, that's how, that's how Matt and I were raised. Right. Okay. Oh my. You can take, put that calculator away. Yeah, that's uh, the idea of that is just it's hard for me to even hear. No, I'm, you I'm know, to something you said earlier is so so important, and that is so parents don't be like Matt and and Scott. Right. Amen. Amen. Ma math has changed. Right. The way kids. You know, work on math, the 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 uh, equipment that they they employ to help them work on math. All of this has changed, right, Jen? Well, it has, and I think I, I think the calculators are an important tool. Uh, maybe not, maybe perhaps not when they're first learning, especially operations with numbers. But it is it is a very powerful visual, especially for uh, mathematics later, like especially in secondary, for sure. Yeah. Um, but there are powerful tools. And I guess this is another one of those things that I would coach parents on is it, it was specific to the calculator is um, don't give it away so soon. What do you mean? Like parents and teachers, like when you ask a question of your young learner, don't give away the oh, answer. Don't give the answer so soon. Struggle like, is good. So soon. Like the, the struggle is, is how you actually get better. If I just tell you the answer, 
then it, it's really hard for me to, to think that I was successful at that task. I got the answer. All right. But I didn't get it all by myself. All right, Jen. Now we're going to we're going to go we're going to have some conversations, some real conversations now. All right. So okay. use a moment ago you said um that, you know, using a calculator is okay. Um I was taught that if you use a calculator, you may not understand what it is you're doing. You're just pressing the numbers. So now argue about why it makes sense and then before you finish, I want you to also argue about why going to Google is not something that kids should do, or is it? So, okay, let me be really clear. So I want kids to have a calculator, but I want them to have a genuine understanding of why the calculator works before I give it to them. Yeah. yeah. Which means which means that like I'm not gonna have you I'm not gonna have you put forty five times eight into the calculator before you know what that really before you know what that really means. Yeah. So, um, and I, I would argue that, you know, a lot of teachers introduce a calculator or even introduce the, an algorithm perhaps too quickly, right? Without, you know, a genuine understanding of why things work. I used yeah. to teach algebra and some of the most powerful visuals that I ever taught came from the calculator because I could, I could graph lines. I could graph a hundred lines during class instead of four or five by hand. Mm. But you have to also recognize that I graphed four or five by hand yesterday. And I took it really slow and explained to the students, you know, this process. And then the next day, okay, remember when we did that graphing stuff? <laughs> we went through this. Here, let me show you, you know, 50 different examples on the calculator. Yeah. So that tool is really powerful. And I understand why, like, why your teachers would have said that that was cheating in elementary school, because it probably is. It definitely is. Um, and, you know, I definitely want students to know why things work before they can put it in. So, Scott, so, so, so it would be safe to say that a calculator is like any other tool. And that is learn how to use it before you use it. Absolutely. All tools yeah. make mistakes. Calculators make mistakes. If sure. you input the information incorrectly or you don't know how to properly use it, it will give you an incorrect answer. Remember when I was saying, like explaining to Matt, like, how do you know you're right? So how do I know 20 times 19 is right? Because it's really yeah. close to 20 times 20. Yeah. What if I put 190 times 20 and it gave yeah. me back an answer to the calculator? Would I even know if it was wrong? Right. If I'm just yeah. mindless pushing it in, I don't really know if it's wrong. But like, I don't even know if I made a mistake in the input. Yeah, right. See, this is huge, right? So, you know, one of the struggles I've seen with some of the families that I've worked with is their kids, they just, they, the only thing they know is how to put, mm -hmm. how to punch numbers into the calculator. Or now they can go to Google and put whole questions right. in and, and get Google oh, to spit yeah. an answer out. And they haven't the foggiest idea of what just took place. So they're not problem solving. They're they're oh, right. they're letting the computer solve a problem, and they have no idea whether or not it's accurate. How they got to that problem or that answer, sure. uh, the implications thereof. Tell me how how do we now put this a little bit into a box? How would a parent operate knowing that their child could, you know, put any question they get on any test into Google and get an answer? What do we do about that? 
That's a really good question, Matt. <laughs> so I, I think the I think the mindset piece that we talked about for creating problem solvers, like you're not there yet. Like we're trying to encourage persistence and resilience in our students. And I can't encourage persistence and resilience if they can just go to Google and put in the answer. There's also apps on your phone that solve whole equations for you. Sure. Yeah. Calculus differential equations. Like they'll just do it really quickly for you. Um, I would say that it's the analyzation of the answer. So like if you're looking at a graph, um, like one of the things that you can do that's really easy with your students is um, every day USA Today puts a graph on the front page of their paper. All you have to do is ask, like ask your students, what does this graph mean? If it's showing you numbers, it's showing you numbers, but what are they trying to tell you? Like all graphs tell you a story, all of them. Whether the, the whether it's the and, and whether it's fiction or fact, they tell you a story, and so it's it's your job to interpret: is it fact or fiction, right? What's the story? That's a great idea. Yeah, you should totally. Well, yeah, you should check it out. By the way, I want everyone to know on this podcast that every uh, math problem that Jen has thrown out, I've gotten the right answer. So <laughs> that's all that matters. Everything that's, Everything that she's, she's, I, I just haven't shared because I didn't want to be a show off. All right, Jennifer. Yeah. So let's move okay. on. Um, okay. Well, I, that was uh, the, that was the segue into the last one, which was representation. Cause you'd asked me about the last process yeah. standard from NCTM and that's representation. Yeah. So any picture table, spreadsheet display, like any of those things are definitely ways to represent a mathematical idea and tell you a story with a quantitative analysis. So any anything that you can put a number on, you can tell a story with a with a representation. And that's what they're talking about in uh, for NCTM. And that's why I was saying like if you if you can read a graph, right, and be able to analyze the result, it's just like any kind of story, right? Um, yeah. Like how do you know that your source is credible? Like where did it come from? Who wrote it? Right. Is this person, is it coming from, is it coming from USA Today? Is it coming from, you know, the CDC? Is it coming from, you know, the government? Where, where's the information coming from and is it accurate? And did they capture the story correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, I am writing a blog, you know, this week you might not know this, but uh, uh, Matt and I have taken it upon ourselves to upskill parents uh, to help uh, at, at home uh, get their kids to be smarter and stronger, to use uh, Tom Monahan's uh, language uh, there at A-plus challenge. Shout out to Tom Monahan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, so as I was writing this blog, and I'm not writing a mathematical uh, side of, of, of this whole idea of problem solving, I'm, I'm looking more at the scientific and the social studies uh, uh, piece of, of this whole problem-solving um, pursuit. Uh, and I came upon something called the art of observation, which I think uh, really speaks to both science and social studies. I wanted your reaction as a mathematical uh, leader, uh, whether these descriptors sort of fit into uh, mathematical problem solving. And, and here they are. Uh, 
So the art observation, this is some uh, work that came out of the Museum of Fine Arts at Houston uh, and also the Baylor College of Medicine. It's kind of a neat story. They ask all their medical students to come over to take a look at art uh, within the museum. Uh, And they ask them to look through these four lenses. And here they are, looking, describing, thinking, and connecting. So I've made, uh, I think I've made pretty good sense of all four of those towards science and social studies in my blog. Uh, But in this podcast, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take take advantage of you being with us. Uh, Do those descriptors speak to you as a mathematics person? And if they do, why? Well, I mean, connecting for sure. We just talked about, like, we just talked yeah. about how they, mathematics is connected across disciplines and within disciplines. And so if you can, like, you can definitely see math and art everywhere. I mean, it's, uh, I'm hoping that some of those Baylor College of Medicine students could see the golden ratio in some of that artwork. And, the, uh, and even if they couldn't see it, there's a pattern, right? And there's pattern. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, young mathematicians develop those that pattern recognition as well, for sure. Um, So like looking at things and being able to recognize a pattern is definitely a skill that you can, uh, you can um, cultivate within mathematics education, but you can, you can do that with your students everywhere. Uh, Like as a parent, you can always, if you can see a pattern, maybe they can see it too. Sometimes your students will see patterns that you don't see for sure. Um, Like they're all wearing red. You can play a game. There's lots of different games. Uh, I used to give uh, my kids like four cards. Tell me which one doesn't belong and why. There are no wrong answers to this game, by the way. <laughs> like they just don't belong because of what you're observing. So that would go towards observation. What do you see? Right. What do you see? What do you notice? What are you wondering about? I'm, I'm kind of curious. I haven't been to the Museum of Fine Arts in a minute. Like I need to go back. Well, this is, this yeah, is and, and I want you to notice that that Matt is crazily taking notes. Oh yeah, he's st- he's stealing everything that you're saying on this <laughs> podcast. Did. And I feel really sorry for his kids because tomorrow morning there is going to be <laughs> problem solving according to Jen Maschek 101. Yes, at the kitchen table in the Barnes household. That's right. I heard, and let me review some of the things I'm going to be covering. I'm going to say I'm going to sure. I'm going to shame them. When they haven't gotten <laughs> the answer correct. Oh my god! Uh, um, no, but you know, let me just summarize because we're running out of time here. But Jen, you've you've hit on some really important points that I think parents really really need to hear. One is this idea of of having the right language when they're dealing with math. You're not there. You're look how far you've come. Hugely important. Um, the second one, though, uh, you just said it about the looking at different graphs. And asking your children to describe the graph. What is it telling you? What is it not telling you? Um, what is another way you could present the same information to tell a different story? That is really, really, really important stuff in today's world when data now is becoming manipulated in all sorts of ways to, you know, to, to achieve a specific end. Um, I love the idea of asking questions like, mm. where is the math in this setting, this artwork what uh which things don't belong here looking at at patterns and those are those are all terrific and then the one that that the concept that i'm going to make sure 
I talk about to my family and every other parent I talk to is that math is about creating problem solvers. And so the idea of Google or these different tools that are available, if you're getting an answer, but you're not understanding how you just solve the problem, you actually might be in trouble. Um, and so a, a problem solver knows how they just solve the problem. They understand it. And so I really appreciate this. I'm going to, we're going to link people to mindsetworks.com. Uh, and I'm also going to mention a program called the art of problem solving. Jen, have you ever heard that? Um, I don't think who's, is it, it's, is an, that on, a, it's an online, book? it's an online math program. Um, they've got oh, okay. different peripherals as well. You may want to take a look my kids have done it. It's, it's, uh, it's terrific because it really is all about solving problems. So, um, okay. Scott, any last, uh, questions for Jen? Yeah, so, so, so that's a good summary, Matt. Thanks for that. Uh, but I, I want, uh, Jen to have the last word. So is there any other piece of advice? Uh, I'm a parent, I'm sitting in my apartment. I've got my two kids at home. I'm trying to work. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence, helping them figure out how to be better at problem solving. Um, any other type of advice, uh, one or two tidbits uh, that you could share with those parents uh, to, uh, to, make that, to make that more of a possibility? Be patient. <laughs> be really patient. Uh, the way that, especially if you're in my demographic, uh, like my, not demographic, my age group, um, if you're like 35 to 45 um, or older, you've probably learned math in a very specific way. And you may or may not understand the different kinds of strategies that are coming home. Be patient and really try and connect the idea that is coming home to what you already know. Because it's the same math. There's no old math. There's no new math. It's all the same math. I promise you, it's all connected. Um, and that you know, understanding understanding that it's all the same, um, and just knowing that it's being presented in a, in a different way for you know students to understand and not just be able to put things into Google mm -hmm. uh, is really important uh, for their progress uh, to increase their their perseverance and resilience. And definitely for learning any kind of uh, discipline, not just mathematics. Right. Very good. Jen check. thank you so much. This has been Thanks, a, uh, an excellent, excellent Appreciate session. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I was a little, I, I was kind of high anxiety, you know, talking about math and problem oh, solving. But you really helped me <laughs> get through the 40 minutes Three. Yes. Deep breaths. I can deep breathe breaths. now. I can breathe now. Because, <laughs> that's right. Right. Because I, 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 Matt, I, I thought maybe she was going to give us a test. <laughs> uh, I, I like, thought there would be no math in this test. That's usually what I say <laughs> at the beginning of every test. <laughs> Jen, thanks for us. <laughs> say hello to everybody over at uh, our friends at uh, Houston A Plus Challenge. Uh, you're doing really good I work sure uh, with all the school children and. Uh, teachers in the in the uh, greater houston area hugely and important. uh yeah thanks so much jen uh, another great interview scott you know the things I, I mentioned some of the things that i was really that really resonated with me but there's another one which is just the importance of real world math and how rare it seems that students get access to the real world math like you know the uh 
the USA Today graphs. That to me is a genius idea. I'm going to definitely do that with my kids. So yeah, yeah, daily uh, daily practice. Yeah. yeah. So off air, uh, I wish I wish we could have caught this uh, on the interview, but uh, I asked Jen. I said, uh, you know, she's been in thousands of classrooms, and uh, I said, so how many kids do you think have, have serious uh, math anxiety. You know what her what what her number was. Fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I told you. Wow. I, I mentioned how most of the families you, I've talked to. Yeah, you weren't surprised by that. No, I wasn't. Yeah. In fact, it, it it a lot of it depends on what classroom you're in, of course. But the families I've talked to, the kids are behind in reading, but they're afraid of math. Right. Yeah. The the barriers to math are are very very high. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think a good chunk of that is this issue that she brought up. They they don't understand it. They're just, they're cranking out, um, you know, following the steps, but they have no understanding of really what's at, what's actually happening. And, and some of the things that, that, that Jen talked about, I think are great ways to help a parent make sure the kids are understanding it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good show, good guest, man. Yep, definitely. Okay, so Dr. Scott and I want to personally thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the show today. The education game exists to build a world in which parents and their families can reclaim the leadership of their children and so their children can become self-directed learners, independent self-directed learners. Uh, This doesn't happen by accident. It requires intentionality and support and a ton of of encouragement. almost said discouragement, Scott. A ton of encouragement. Uh, as Jen uh, described. Um, and so, you know, Dr. Scott and I want to help you on this journey. Uh, we're building an online course to help you navigate this new world of learning. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more, definitely go to theeducationgame.com and sign up or tune into our next webinar, which is coming out every week or two. Um, we also have a course that we're starting up, and uh, you can contact us to participate in the course. Uh, the course is going to be built on developing a community of parents and young learners who are working collaboratively towards learning independence. So thanks again for our supporters at Patreon, patreon.com slash the education game. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And uh, this is Matt and Dr. Scott. Thank you again for your participation. We will see you right here on the education game next time. Thanks. See you everybody.